Welcome to This Is Not About Your Body, a body neutrality podcast where we talk about all the real shit body image issues are actually about because they're never just about the way you look. I'm your host, Jesse Neeland, and today I have with me Devin Day Moretti, a trauma-informed coach with a focus on helping women change the way they relate to their bodies. She has certifications in personal training, nutrition, breathwork, Reiki, and meditation. And Devin brings a very playful, sensual, kinky, and unapologetically erotic energy to her work, um, sometimes even calling herself a fitness dom, which we're going to get into. Uh, I have also known Devin for years, and uh, I am just thrilled to have her on today to talk about all things sexy fitness. So welcome, Devin. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to officially be here because I know that we've been planning it. Jesse's been pinging me for a while. <laughs> I'm excited to officially make an appearance. I'm excited to have you here. Um, so I'm going to have you start by just telling everyone a little bit about yourself and the work that you do outside of my bio for yeah, you, was... which I think kind of went all over the map, but so does your work. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, and you did such a perfect job. I'm like, well, you, you wrapped it up. Very well. <laughs> my, um, my work is really centered around helping women reclaim their relationship with their body, with their confidence, with their pleasure, um, with fitness. And I work with the modalities of personal training, coaching, energy work, breath work, um, talking a lot about sex, you know, just talking about sex from this very positive place. And then yeah. I've been doing this work for about eight years now. And it's always wild to me as the years go on. I'm like, wow, I love that I've been doing this for so long. And I'm so yeah. passionate about it. And my work has definitely taken many directions as you've been on this journey with mm -hmm. um, but it always kind of circles back to the heart of my work which is really just bringing women back to themselves I love that so yeah I mean I have seen your brand evolve quite a bit and it's funny actually because now I'm wondering did I follow you before you did fitness I don't know how long I've you've been in my orbit and I've sort of followed your brand, but you've obviously gone through a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And I definitely knew you as more of the like strength and conditioning type fitness, personal training coach type person uh, originally. And I wanted to hear a little bit about that journey for you and your own personal relationship to movement and how that has shifted because I know that it has. And obviously that has also gone into your, your brand and your business. So um, yeah, what was your relationship to exercise like before and what's it like now? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a journey. Like in my earlier, like in my teenage years, obviously for, for most of us, we, we go through doing, going through the motions, kind of doing what's expected of you. Um, mine was obviously always rooted in, I had an eating disorder for a while that had really bad body dysmorphia. Um, so my movement was always centered around doing cardio yeah. and doing what I thought was going to be the best way to change my body. And then I discovered, um, as I started to recover my relationship with fitness, um, moved more into strength code, you know, strength and yeah. power thing. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of people go through this transition where it's like, it's not about being skinny. It's about being strong. Um, and I think that there's a, there's healing within that. And yeah. I started to focus on what my body could do and eating to fuel my body. Um, 
and yeah, I got really heavily involved in strength training and strength coaching and focusing on what your body can do. And I dove into personal training and I was a personal trainer for a while. Obviously I still am. Um, and that was my center focus for a while. And as I worked with so many women, you see the disordered patterns that come up, the yeah. reasons to why they want to work with a trainer to begin with. Um, and then my um, work shifted as well as my relationship to movement and really yeah. just kind of questioning everything um, <laughs> that we kind of had a little conversation about this prior to the podcast um just on our relationship with movement and I never stopped movement altogether but I did stop moving in certain ways of like why am I training like a bodybuilder like why right. am I going in and doing like upper body lower body day and what about all of these other wonderful ways that I can move my body um and you know, I started to explore yoga more. I've been going to dance classes. Mm. I'll do that a lot. Um, so it's been kind of this evolution of originally doing it to change my body, then getting into it from this very empowering place, but then really questioning, okay, but like, there's yeah. so much to unpack here. And why am I really moving my body to begin with? Um, and now it gets to be this fun, intuitive, playful, sometimes sexual thing. I love it. So yeah. uh, for anybody listening who doesn't know, I also came from the fitness industry. I know you know this, obviously. But um, when people ask, like, how I got into this work, it's like my first. I'm always like, because as a personal trainer, I saw the in and outs of basically people coming to you to solve a problem you can't solve. Mm -hmm. like they wanted to feel better about themselves, like less shame, more freedom, more joy, all of these things. And fitness is great. I mean, I still love like lifting heavy. It still brings me joy when I can do it. Um, but there's just like such a misunderstanding of that being the one tool to like rule all tools, you know, and it's not, it can't give you what people are really looking for. So I think a lot of us left the fitness industry and went, Okay. Yeah. Well, what can? Yeah. And I love that you're still in the fitness industry in some ways. Like you're obviously pretty counterculture in, in a lot of ways. It's a really unique lens you bring to movement and fitness, but sometimes I regret leaving it just cause I'm like, man, there's so much that needs to change there. Yeah. And we need people kind of questioning these things and staying in the industry. Mm -hmm. So it makes me happy that you're like swinging back into the fitness space. Yeah, you know, that's part of why I came back to it. Um, because I do love fitness so, so, so much. I always have. Um, and it's been it's, you know, I went really far into the edge of like, let's help women heal their, their relationship with yeah. their body. Um, and I'm like, I really miss this. And I want to come back to this. And it kind of feels conflicting because of the work that I'm in. And I'm like, but that's exactly why I want to go into this space because I can help people recognize that it's not fitness. That's necessarily toxic. Okay. That is brilliant. I'm going to have you just talk a little bit more about that. So it's not actually fitness that's toxic. So it, for anybody listening, I feel like just as context, a lot of people who are going through healing phases 
whether that's like disordered eating or eating disorder recovery or, you know, just body neutrality, body acceptance work, uh, uh, among other things in diet culture. Um, a lot of us leave behind fitness as a concept because of the industry's toxic messages. Like, you know, you have to work out to eat dinner and the whole point of like being alive is to shrink yourself, et cetera. So say more about that, that it's not actually the fitness that's toxic. Yeah. What I like to, um, you know, it's, and I, I mean, I actually had people, I was really hesitant to, to come forward and bring fitness back of like, mm, what is the, the response going to be? Mm -hmm. I had a few, few people confront me of like, how are you going to you know, fitness is like so toxic, blah, 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 blah. So I had mentioned, you know, fitness isn't necessarily toxic, but the industry can be because yeah. of what we're taught about movement. Like you said, yeah. it's this form of punishment for our bodies. It's centered around changing how we look. And I really want to come in and completely redefine how we're approaching it because yeah. One, I think so many of us are just kind of tired of fitness being about changing our bodies and looking pretty and um, weight loss. It's just yeah. really boring. <laughs> it's not, it's not sexy yeah. and it misses the mark. And it like, is it just misses so many beautiful things that movement does for us because it really does have this uh, ability to completely enhance our lives in every single way. Um, and I want to talk about all of the things that movement does to make us feel hot. Like the fact that our mental health improves or we're starting to get better sleep. So we have more mental clarity. Um, we have more energy. It can serve as an energy pick me up or change our whole mood or energetic posture within a matter of minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and I walk away feeling happier, more energized, more connected. It improves my sex life and improves my day-to-day -day life and yeah. improves my mood. Like all of these things, it completely like sometimes just clears out this stagnant energy that's accumulated yeah. through the day. And these are the things that are so beautiful that we miss out on because we're we've been conditioned to to operate from this place of like okay you, you better be a good girl today and go to right. the and do that 30 minute or like uh 30 minutes on the treadmill and then the 50 minute workout yeah. using weights and and then people get caught up to and um doing it quote the right way instead of what actually like intuitively feels good for them that day. Yeah. Um, and we see a lot of just like dysregulation in the fitness industry or um, trying to force ourselves to go into the gym when something I like to talk about is like movement is a form of medicine, mm -hmm. but it can only be a form of medicine when we're like tuning into our body and listening to our body and honoring what it needs. And if we're really stressed out, the gym may not be the medicine. If we're right, our system is shot, we're dysregulated, yeah. we're really emotional, we're grieving, and we're trying to shame ourselves into going to the gym and lift heavy weights and go balls to the wall. It can be more detrimental to our health and just put more stress on the body. Yeah. Um, and so those are the ways in which fitness can be really intoxic and also just kind of misses the mark on what it's meant to do to begin with. 
Absolutely. I don't think people, well, I don't know, nobody in my circle in the fitness industry anyway, um, ever talked about like allostatic load or stress impacting the nervous system. Any of these things that once I learned that like (laughs) you are better off eating a burger and being happy in terms of like health outcomes than feeling shame and eating a salad and feeling deprived. Like I was like, wait a second. I had learned that everything is sort of like objectively healthy or unhealthy. And it just strips so much about the human body and brain and experience out of it. And yeah, I feel like we're kind of stuck. Like this is something my clients bring up all the time is Rejecting fitness culture as part of diet culture is hard enough, but then trying to come back to a place where you can move your body without falling back into like the moralizing of you're a good or bad person if you worked out or the beauty or body ideals or diet culture bullshit, like it is so difficult. And there are so few resources out there for people who say, okay, Mm -hmm. it's more nuanced than that. And like, (laughs) let's talk about what might or might not be healthy and good for you right now. Yeah. Yeah. That is like, uh, I find that a lot of people that do come to work with me have gone through their recovery and mm-hmm. they want to get back into movement, but there aren't a lot of resources out there. Or um, I think that the fitness industry has really kind of taken on mm-hmm. the body. Ugh, yes, totally. <laughs> but inside of the programs or inside of the coaching, it's not really changing, um, which I don't think is entirely their fault. I don't think it's sure. ill-intended. Um, but yeah, there's not a lot of resources um, in that space on like how to get back into it. And I think there's conversations about joyful movement and I think that's really beautiful and helpful. Um, but yeah. Yes, but I don't find people... Well, for the people that they connect with it, obviously that's great. But that's a little bit like saying, you know, with body positivity, like if you can love your body, that's great. You should definitely do that and don't keep searching for new stuff that might work, right? Uh, If joyful movement connects with you, you're good. You're just going to go do that. But I think for a lot of people, that's not enough of a hook. And all (laughs) of the messages that have been like complex and moralized around movement get in the way of them being able to even really take joy in it. They're like, well, my choices are do nothing and feel guilty or make myself do something I don't particularly like because it's good for me. Yeah. Or like even in in just even coming up against like, not, not all the time, is it going to be joyful? Mm. It's like, you know, sometimes it's like, I I know I really need this. Like I can tell my body really, really don't want to do this. And I'm, I'm going to show up for myself in this way, even though it's not joyful. <laughs> Maybe that's my issue, actually, with joyful movement messages. I'm realizing right now that that it, it's like it's the discipline component yeah. that in joyful movement, if you enjoy it all the time, you're good. Carry on by all means. But most of us are not going to feel joy all the time, just like most of us are not going to love our bodies every moment of every day. So it ends up feeling unrealistic. And I know for me, like a pretty major part of my movement practice is grouchy, like very grouchy. Yeah. Yeah. I think I heard you talk about like grouchy. Grouchy acceptance. Yeah. As a body neutrality term. Yeah. 
You're like, uh, roll your eyes, move on. It doesn't have the power to like impact your self-worth or anything like that. It's just like you, you're allowed to throw a little tantrum about it and then move on. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what I do with a lot of my movement practice. And so it feels really cool to hear someone hold what can be distorted so easily, like discipline, doing things you don't want to do, distorted into like a tool of self-punishment and conforming to all these ideals and actually be like, maybe it comes from you though. Maybe it's just good for you. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about, okay, I want to hear more about that. Sorry. But I also just want to have you give me like, why bother with fitness? Can you speak to that a little bit? Like, obviously we know it's good for our physical health, but as you said, that's often more complex than people realize. Um, So we've thrown it, thrown the baby out with the bathwater and then we want to introduce it back in, but like, why bother? Yeah. You know, I think obviously, yeah, it's great for our physical wellness. It's also really great for our mental and emotional wellness. And as somebody who has a history of struggling intensely with depression, um, mm. and is incredibly anxious, <laughs> helpful for me. And it is like, yeah. obviously antidepressants and things for our anxiety are beneficial and have a time and place and movement by all means is not the cure all. Right. And it is something that is part of our medicine practice with our mental health. But even outside of that, because sometimes it's like, yes, we know that it's great for our health. We know that it's great for our body and um, the longevity of everything. And sometimes that still doesn't like really move and inspire us, which is why we bring in this like pleasurable component to it of like, can we make it sexy? Cause it is. And, um, sometimes it's just about like kind of re, um, relating to it differently. So it's like, yeah, I want to just like have my me time. And this is a way for me to move some energy that's again, accumulated over the day. You identify as an empath, you take on a lot of people's energy. It's a great way to kind of move that energy out of the body. Um, Or it's like, I want to be bendier in the bedroom. I want to be more flexible in the bedroom and be able to do all the positions that I desire. Um, or it's, I want to go on a walk and instead of listening to like a self-help podcast, I'm going to listen to erotica. Yeah. Um, so you're really talking about like finding new whys for mm -hmm. moving your body. And I think, so if your why is innate to a sport, a hobby, like a movement practice that you just love, again, you, you might not have to go through this, right? Like if you just love rock climbing, go rock climb. But especially if the sport you loved was working out in the gym, I think a lot of us go through like a real griefy period of like missing the thing and also knowing that maybe we can't go back to it and not having alternatives that are like quite as deeply connected yet. So you're talking about, finding whatever the fuck gets a person back in, in a way that feels meaningful and interesting to them. Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't have to be constant joy. <laughs> it can be anything that matters to the person. And for you and your brand, like sexy is a reason. And I love that. Sexy and definitely like mental and emotional wellness. Yeah. Like I, that's like that's my that's my biggest why is like I know that I need that and I don't yeah. feel myself or I just know how I feel when I'm not moving my body and even if that's yeah. just like walking daily like it doesn't yeah. have to be 
going to the gym, but doing something for me um, yeah. physically is really helpful because it does have those effects on my mental health. Yes. So it, it recenters you. I mean, and so much of your work is about restoring agency and restoring autonomy and restoring that like internal drive as opposed to external factors like society says you would look better. Um, it's even just restoring like you to your values. What do you value? Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Also, um, my older brother's a personal trainer and he trains me twice a week, has been doing this for years. And uh, I show up every time pretty much grouchy and like resistant. And I'm like, let's do some stupid mobility stuff and like <laughs> balance on a balancey thing because it's good for me. Um, <laughs> but he asked me recently, like what I might want to train for, like what would really feel important for me to like train for. And I was like, well, I'm thinking about writing a second book. And he was like, OK, yeah. So, OK that is an interesting thing to train for, like sitting at your desk for 12 hours a day for a year. We can work with that. Um, but ultimately, like, it is what matters to me. It is the thing that makes me keep going is it doesn't really matter what it is. It's just, it doesn't matter to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, yeah, I mean, I totally connect to, to sometimes just being grouchy because you know, with, when it comes to motivation, it's like, I don't really have that. <laughs> I say more. I'm like motivated once or twice a month where it's like, I can't wait to work out because I've got this new sexy outfit. Right. Other than that, like, I'm not always like motivated. I just, I, I do it because I know, like, I love how I feel during and after. Um, and, and like, again, like the values and the things that I care about are what keep me going. Yeah. I'm very, very rarely motivated to do things that are good for me. <laughs> Devin, that is very real. <laughs> that is so real. Okay. So <laughs> let's just assume that there are listeners right now going, I'm sorry, what are you talking about? Like, the whole, you have to get motivated to exercise. How would you explain it? Like, what is it, if not motivation, that is keeping you in, in motion then? Um, I, I really like feeling good. And I know the things that are going to allow me to feel good. And I know how I want to feel mentally, emotionally, physically in my body and the things that support that. Yeah. And um, that, and, and, I, and I like to be the, the woman that takes excellent care of herself. Like that's another thing. It's like- So I it's an identity to, thing too. A little bit. Yeah, like this, this, I am that woman that kind of takes care of herself. Yeah. And- like that, obviously, like being a business owner and an entrepreneur, people who hold a person that holds space for a lot of other people, I need to ensure that I am centered and grounded or else my work is going to fall through the cracks. Oh, yeah. Okay. So let's go back to this discipline thing, because I think very similar to the idea of motivation, we have been sold a package of untruths that we inherently should or do hate to move our bodies mm -hmm. like that that's our natural state is like to not want to move our bodies and we have to override that using whatever we can 
to like stay motivated or we have to call upon discipline and willpower. What I hear in the nuance of what you're saying is like not the throw it all away. Those things have no place here, but they can't be the driving force. So tell me about your relationship to dis discipline specifically around this. Like what, what does that look like post bodybuilder discipline programming, following everything to a T? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of things that are good for us have been corrupted by fitness industry, diet culture, just societal programming in general. And I have been on a journey of really, what are the things that I just push away because of the fitness industry? And can I maybe like redefine them for myself or come or yeah. for come back to it. And discipline was one of those things. Cause I'm just like, fuck discipline. <laughs> <laughs> right. I feel like that's maybe a little bit still where I am. I don't know that I've yeah. actually I, circled back to heal it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, but why? And I think it's because it's like, we're told discipline is about having more willpower and more self-control and being perfect with our habits and our diet and our fitness yeah. routine. And it's got this very like, harsh shameful presence to it and you know people go through these periods of like inspired bursts of discipline or you know a burst of discipline inspired by self-hate um right and discipline and this is where like the fitness industry kind of um ruins this for us because discipline can be a really beautiful thing when it's intended to nurture and affirm and empower. And the way that I connect to discipline now is kind of what I shared of like, it's about showing up for yourself. It's about yeah. being the person that follows through on what they're going to commit to. Um, right. and really having the attitude of, I deserve the best for myself and I'm going to consistently show up for myself. And it's this beautiful way we can foster self-trust. And, um, I, I think it's also really important to make sure we're doing it from a loving aligned place because right. oftentimes it's not. For example, if you're a mother with one or two kids and you're you're a single mother and you're working a full-time job, go and you're trying to be disciplined about going to the gym five to six mm -hmm. time, it's like, I don't think that's a discipline problem. Right. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and forcing ourselves to be disciplined about things that actually don't make sense for us. So I really like to kind of explore like discipline can be a beautiful thing that allows us to cultivate more self-trust. And we also have to be considerate about what we're trying to be disciplined about, because I think that's often what's shaking our relationship to it. Oh, yes. Do you know, just right now, I realized that some of my aversion to both the word and the concept of discipline, um, I mean, a lot of it comes from like toxic messages of basically it's supposed to be self-abandonment or self-oppression, right? Like pick an external goal that <laughs> society says you have to do and you use discipline to get there. But it's also a word that means like punishment, like you punish a child, you're disciplining a child. So I think in my head, it it, it is punishing. Mm -hmm. kind of no matter what but I totally see your point that when you've chosen something that feels aligned and really autonomous mm -hmm. to apply discipline to 
you're not like wrapping your own wrists with a ruler you know you're just like going there and doing the thing yeah yeah exactly that's fascinating how do you get to a place uh, how do you get to be here Devin how do people do what you're doing um well well hmm. can we reorganize the question <laughs> yes we can uh it was a trash question it's not written on my list I just feel like I'm so aware when I do these podcasts of you know, as things are said or brought up, like, ooh, I bet listeners would be really interested in that. Or I bet, you know, I can kind of hear like a question coming up. I feel like everyone listening is going to be like, that's very nice for you. How do I do it? Yeah. I want to ask the question, but I'm not even quite sure what I'm asking. Just like, what advice would you give to a listener who's like, that sounds really nice, but I have no idea how to get there? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's obviously very dependent on each individual because I do think a, a huge part of coming into this space is doing a lot of body image healing, covering mm -hmm. from diet culture and being incredibly informed on the ways that it shows up and like relearning and re-educating mm -hmm. ourselves on what it means to be in a healthy body, what it means to be in a small body mm -hmm. or a large body, and that those things are not tied to our health. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, that that's a really important piece because we're then able to um, kind of discern how we're starting to go about things yeah. or when things are starting to become a little bit disordered. And that's why it's also helpful to kind of have somebody that can spot those things for you. Cause sometimes we don't notice. Right. Um, and it's so invasive that it shows up in such small ways, even like with some of my clients that are very aware or, or who are um, newly like recovered, it's it still shows up in small ways or in ways that they're like, Oh my God, I didn't even know that. Okay, so I think that's maybe what I wanted to clarify is this is not step one of anything. This yeah. is like step 94. And you really can't skip the steps in between. So if anybody is listening and is like, oh, I'd like to shift from my disordered relationship to exercise and body stuff to what Devin does, um, please know that for most people, there is a long journey for both of us, there has been a long journey of unlearning, challenging, redefining, like healing, all of the things. And that really what we're talking about here is coming back on the tail end and returning to movement in a way that feels aligned, accessible, autonomous. Because I feel like, yeah, there's so many people out there who are still holding over themselves. Like it, you can't be lazy. Lazy means bad. You know, like discipline is the only way to be good. And you really don't get to skip all of that unpacking work, like you said, to get to where you're at now. Yeah, no. Okay. No, no that's, yeah, that's really essential part. So a huge part of your work, you use the word reclaiming, which I love, is helping women specifically reclaim these things for themselves. It sounds like you encourage people to redefine uh, mm -hmm. certain things, you know, in this space. Could you talk about the benefits of that or why that's so important? Yeah, well, um, I think part of the reclamation is for, 
where do I want to start with with movement, for example, of like kind of what we've gotten into. It is something that can enhance the quality of our life in so many ways. And it's kind of been stolen and, and taken from us. And now when we go into it, it's all about changing our body and feeling shameful. So it's like, can we reclaim this? Because it, this is something that can really bring so much goodness into your life. And I want that for you. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, with our body or with our pleasure, it's like, we've, you know, as <clears throat> women we've been kind of programmed and, and conditioned into like our pleasure is not for us our body is not for us um you know our we have to work work really hard to look a certain way in order to cater to the male gaze or um you know we go into these sexual experiences and we're not actually having a pleasurable good good time because it's yeah. all amazing you know if we're having sex really yeah. speaking normatively if we're having sex with a man um that that's what that's about um his pleasure and so I really want women to come back into centering themselves in their own experiences and having all these beautiful things like pleasure like their body like movement um become something that they just can't wait to saunter into and that they mm. love feels like theirs yeah. and isn't diluted with all of this conditioning yeah oh my gosh sometimes I think it's harder to interview guests who I like really align with <laughs> than it is to sort of interview across different like lines and perspectives because I just want to be like uh-huh me too I get uh-huh I feel that way too <laughs> so like in my practice restoring basically a sense of worthiness that d is not based on what you give someone else mm -hmm. is like pretty life altering for a lot of women. And you are inviting it emotionally, physically, sexually, like you're, you're bringing it back in and saying, we're not going to be doing any of that shit for other people, but that doesn't mean we have to get rid of it. Yeah. So if anybody goes to Devin's Instagram, you will find basically a whole bunch of kinky thirst traps. So now let's talk about that. Um, could you, well, actually, I'm just going to have you start by giving a little bit of a definition of kink and BDSM um, and why you're playing in that space in terms of like, I know you've already talked a little bit about your own relationship to movement, but why you encourage other people to to maybe think about it that way. Um. So as we talked about in the beginning, my work has taken many directions and it, it went into fitness, it's gone into body image, it's gone into sex. And this year, my my business just feels so much like me. Yeah, It's bringing everything into one and that feels really good. And part of coming back to fitness was like, wow. I don't, I don't want to share like workouts. Like that's what everybody's doing. Mm -hmm. I, I'm very, I'm very rebellious. I'm very like, I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. How do I make this different? How do I make this different? Mm -hmm. And, and that's part of what like I brought to it of like, well, fitness, let's make it sexy. Let's make it yeah. fun. And um, let me integrate all of these things that I love and that I value and offer so much healing into this space. And so that's kind of how it got, um, brought in. And then, um, 
I added in the 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 kinky element because yes, partly personality and 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 something that I've explored in my past that has offered a lot of healing. And I know that the uh, kink space gets uh, there's a lot of conversations on how that can be such a healing experience for people. And since I'm coming back into fitness of let's make this healing and let's reclaim this, let's also add in this kind of piece to it. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how the fitness dom came to be in, in all of this. Okay. So what does that mean to be a fitness dom? And for people who aren't deep into the kink or BDSM community, like even just dom, you can give us all yeah. a little insight there. Um, because I do feel like that it, it makes so much sense that they would be a natural fit given everything you're saying about the reclamation, but a lot of people haven't been introduced to the kink space. So what is a fitness dumb and what does it mean? Yeah. So, um, I started by saying like, I want everyone to be a little fitness slut. I've seen you say that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's really just being somebody that is like, so into taking care of themselves like mm. that's the energy behind it like I'm a slut for just being well taken care of <laughs> <laughs> and um with the fitness dom you know I you know we I feel like dom is often seen as the person that's in charge the person that is um, controlling everything, but I don't connect to the Dom that way. Um, I connect to the Dom. I, I would say that the sub is usually the one calling the shots because if we so just to interrupt real quick, this is in reference to the dominant and the submissive role in a BDSM dynamic using power exchange um, in the kink world, this is people who play in this space in any, literally any number of ways, but sub and dom are titles uh, for certain people to step into and out of when they're doing consensual power play. So carry on. But if someone didn't know that, I feel like that background matters. So, okay. Yeah. It is definitely a perception that the dom, the dominant person would be the one in control, but- yeah. Yeah, the dom has all the power, but really the submissive has all the power because there's safe words, right? Of like when we've reached a boundary, when we're um, when we're close to touching that boundary of when things are, we're going to put things on hold um, or stop here and just play here. And that is something that the usually the submissive is the one to communicate and um, the dom is, yes, facilitating and orchestrating and guiding this whole experience. And it's also really centered around pleasing the submissive and having this beautiful, pleasurable experience for the submissive and reading body language of the submissive and seeing what's um, yeah. what the submissive is really enjoying and liking and being turned on by. And so adding in the, the fitness dom was more so like, I am here to like lead and guide and I'm ensuring that this is a trusted container, that it is 
um, pleasurable and fun and good for you. And we're here to like honor your body. Um, and so, and, and the submissive is, is still in power yes. in that way. So I think another major misconception around BDSM is that it's all like, you know, dark dungeons and, you know, like ball gags and whips and pain. Um, but really, I mean, I have only like started to dip a toe into this world, but uh, it can be that if you're into that, obviously. But like for most people, it's certainly not that. It's actually a lot more of just like an exaggerated experience of what we enjoy in like a regular ass human life. Um, but I feel like what you're saying here is that as a dom, you can be loving, caring, nurturing, generous. Like it's not this selfish, I do what I want and I take what I want. That's exploitative. And that's what like capitalism and the fitness industry and so many other things give us. You were talking about consent. Like you are inviting a consent-based concept of kink and BDSM into a place where literally the internet is rife with people exploiting others and being like, do what I say because I'm a drill sergeant and you're bad if you don't. And you're like, well, <laughs> like what would be fun for you? I wonder, like that's literally so brilliant and brings that agency in immediately, that respect in immediately, the safety, like, and it's not patronizing. I feel like there's so much of the exploitative thing that is patronizing. Like you're an idiot. And if you listen to yourself, you're going to fuck it up. And you're yeah. like, how about I give you instructions because you want me to? <laughs> like, yeah. that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And then like, that's a whole other part of it of like, we can be so overwhelmed with choices and options. And like, there are even periods where I'm like, maybe I just like want to have a trainer because yeah. I don't want to do my own workouts. And oh I my like, God, it's the best programming yeah um so it's nice to have direction it's nice to just have somebody tell us what to do at times and that doesn't mean like oh, it's because they're above me and they know my body better than I know my right. body and that's something I lead with a lot of you know your body best here are some yeah. options for this um I was gonna say something oh and and with the dom too like I've you know I've I've immersed myself in that world um and I've also um, listened to a lot of like workshops with doms and dominatrixes. And I have never really connected to the dom that degrades people. Mm -hmm. um, I really connect to being a, a dom that is very sensual yeah. and generous and kind and warm and loving and also can bring that energy of like, I want you to be a good girl for me. Yes. Yes. And only with people who get some kind of pleasure and joy out of being told they're a good girl. Yeah. Like what a joy to bring that dynamic into a place that is so disempowering and fraught. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's, it's fun too. And I have some clients that are like, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm here for like reclaiming fitness and I have yeah. other Dom me. <laughs> I was literally wondering like what your clientele demographic is. Is it mostly people who are like drawn to the kink specific dynamic? Is it mostly people who, yeah, like are submissive or are dominant and drawn and want to learn from you? Like where, where is your population of people? Um, uh, 
a mix. So okay. I have a lot of women that have recovered from diet culture, um, body stuff, and are wanting to come back to fitness. And they know that like that's that's my offering, and they have a hard time finding people that talk about mixing those yeah. two. Um, I have other people that are like, I really want to embody more of my sexuality, and I really like this mm-hmm. into it. So yeah, I do have a lot of people that don't really touch the sexy stuff. Um, but then some people that primarily yeah. come. I think it makes so much sense. And anyone who's like not into kink or BDSM who goes over to your page, I think is literally just going to see you. Yeah. Because and having followed you for so long. And also I, I often will mute like old friends from the fitness industry. Cause I'm like, I just don't want fitness content. Um, yeah. I feel like I don't know if you were ever muted or not, but I definitely wasn't paying as close attention. And once this whole fitness dom thing started, I like was, I was like interacting. I was like, let me make this show up. This is great. This feels so, um, like I said, unique. And I think really necessary, like the actual content, but also the most authentic, like the really, it's a really fun, very you way of getting into something that people take so seriously too, like fitness. I know. I know. Like, can it just be fun and chill? Um, Okay. So something that you say sometimes that I love is it's hot to be well taken care of. And I would love to have you talk about what you mean by that. Like you've already gone into it a little bit maybe, but um, yeah. What does that mean to you? It's hot to be well taken care of. I really like to connect to our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with our body as a relationship that we would have with any other individual. And I think in repairing our connection to both ourselves and our bodies is really considering how is it that I want to be taken care of you know, what is it that I like desire in my partnerships or in my friendships and how might I, you know, how could I give that back to myself or reflect Mm. that back to myself? And sometimes that means being well taken care of is I'm not shaming myself for not going to the gym. Right. Because I wouldn't want my partner to come into the room and be like, why the fuck aren't you at the gym? (laughs) Right. Right. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, and, and other times it's like, I, um, um, I'm trying to think of another, um, of like, Hey, like I, I know that you're like really feeling like a lot in your body and, and there's a lot of stagnation that's accumulated. And I think it would be really, and, and you've been like, laying in bed all day. And I think it would be really helpful to get some sunshine, go out for a walk. Yeah. So So I think from this really nurturing place that if a partner did it, you would feel like so seen and cared for. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think, you know, we talk a lot about that and, and just building a relationship with ourselves. And I really like to look at our relationship with our body as the same thing of our body is always speaking to us and communicating to us. And can we start to build this loving partnership where we're attuning to its needs and its desires and start to have that dialogue and, and, and re part of, I, I believe that part of 
having a, uh, you know, working through some of the body stuff that comes up is starting to listen to our body and connect with our body. And that is like, what is your body needing? Yeah. So it's, it's the nurturing of a relationship that matters to you much like any other. Um, Mm -hmm. I also, I mean, the thing that I was drawn to when I first started hearing you say it is like, it's such an obvious redirection or redefinition of hotness from something that you can see that has to do with conventional beauty and body ideals to something that you feel Mm -hmm. like it is an internal experience. And that feels hugely important. Yeah. And there's something kind of sexy and playful around the idea of like being taken care of is a little bit of an innuendo. And I think we're used to, to casting someone else in that role. Yeah. So it's cool to be like, you can be in that role. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, I mean, just redefining what it, what it means for things to feel hot or be hot. Um, and it's, you know, it's just like somebody that's emotionally available is so attractive, so attractive. Can I be that with myself? That's attractive. Oh, okay. So what does hot mean to you? What is the feeling like internally? How do you know you're feeling sexy, feeling hot? Like what, what are you picking up on or looking for in those moments? Safety is a big one. Oof. Yeah. Safety. Um, <clears throat> feeling like connected. Um, feeling very like seen and heard. I think obviously all of that kind of filters into safety a bit. Yeah. Um, And like being, um, being very loving with yourself and, and I'm very mindful of saying loving because mm-hmm. I do think that it's very distorted of like, it means to love how you feel. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, yeah, totally. Yo, I love how you look and you don't always yeah. love how you look, but we can, um, it, it's having this loving voice of like, I, um, Hey, I see that you're having a bad body day and that's totally okay. Like that's the loving voice. So those are the things that are to me. I just want to say that it's rather startling to hear how all of those things are obviously a part of being able to be like aroused with a partner Mm -hmm. and yet so often missed when we think about what it would mean just to feel like sexual and alive and, you know, kind of juicy in and of yourself. Like if your partner makes you feel unsafe physically, emotionally, or makes you feel unseen or misattuned or any of these things, like you're not going to have a super sexy time. And this is something you're offering yourself in the world. And it sounds like in so many ways, but movement obviously being one of them, like committing to the care you need to thrive being sort of the central focus here. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know the very first self-helpy nonfiction book I ever read. Like I have an addiction now. I read so, so much. But the very first one was um, The Four Agreements. Yes, same. Really? Oh my gosh, that's so weird. So 
it blew my mind. I mean, as a lot of these books do, when you've never been introduced to anything in a certain realm, it's like every one of those first 30 books I read, like changed my goddamn life. Um, and now I can just like read stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, that was interesting. That kind of like, you know, uh, fills out a concept. I miss that. Sometimes Me too. I, I feel like I don't have like, you. every once in a while I come by a groundbreaking book. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, wow, well, a lot of this is the same. I wish I could go back to when I, I was- feel that too or sometimes I wonder like what if I'd been introduced to this first and it would like anyway um but the whole thing in that book I don't even remember them all but I know one of them is to be uh to be good to your word to be good on your word whatever that be true to your word so to me what I'm hearing in all of this is like an invitation to redefine fitness movement exercise whatever it is as like an act of rebellion saying, you don't get to define what this is for me. You don't get to strip it of joy and you don't get to make me throw it out with the bathwater because I had to heal. Mm -hmm. This is mine now. I'm going to connect it to my values, my priorities, to an inner sense of knowing like what care looks and feels like, and to a commitment to the fact that I'm worthy of feeling good, Mm -hmm. period. And whether or not, you know, you find sort of an eroticism in fitness, like, everyone can benefit from that yeah yeah okay last question would be what advice would you give to a listener who wants to cultivate those things and is you know on step one through five (laughs) um cultivate the relationship back to movement yeah, actually, no, let's say that someone's gone through the healing process in terms of like overcoming dysmorphia, um, diet culture, disordered eating, whatever it might be, but they're still stuck and wondering like, how do I get back into this in a place that feels aligned and reclaimed? Um, where do you recommend they start? I really, I think a good place to start is making things ritualistic. Mm. and what I mean by that is like and and adding like a pleasure component to it so for example something that a lot of my clients love that I've recommended that are getting back into movement um, or just getting back into to being in their body or adding in a little bit of like a regulation practice and letting it be something that feels like this is grounding for me. This is me time yeah. is in the evening. Let's turn on, turn off all the lights. Let's light all the candles or put on some fun neon lights. Let's put on a really delicious playlist. That's mm-hmm. something that's intentional not just, you know, remixing it. And let's do a little bit of breath work and let's stretch and let's Mm. just stretching or foam rolling or feel really good in your body in that way. Or I want you to go into the gym and I want you to put on your best sex playlist. And I want you to like embody the the Mm -hmm. music that you're listening to and put on something sexy. And that could be a fucking t-shirt, like to define what that is for you. Yeah. Um, maybe spritz your favorite perfume and and listen to that sexy playlist and see how differently you interact with the gym, mm. embodying that, listening to that, and going in with that attitude. And also pick just pick an upper body, a lower body, and a core exercise, ones that you like, and do that three rounds. Do three mm. rounds. 
Um, or like, let's go on a slutty girl stroll and <laughs> go outside on a walk and listen to some erotica. I know I'm inviting in all the pleasure, sexy components too. Like, it's like fun to just make it something that's r- ritualistic yeah. and inviting in like, you know, what do I want to embody in this? And like, how can I make this for me? Or how can I make this? Um, just something that's also like chill or fun or inviting me to step into something. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Okay. It was an absolute joy to have you on here. Can you please tell everybody where to find you on the internet, how to work with you, et cetera? Yeah. Um, everything is Devin Day Moretti. So TikTok, Instagram, my website, devindaymoretti.com. Um, a lot of my work will be found on Instagram. That is where I'm most present. Um, and you can go to my website, devindaymoretti.com to check out my offerings. Thank you for being here. Um, I want to send everybody over to you, but I'm also aware like because of the authenticity and the like brandedness of some of what we've been talking about it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea but I do also feel like (laughs) we have really nailed in on the fact that the underlying message applies to everyone and whether or not someone's like into you know the way that you're showing up in this space like I hope that this episode has been really illuminating because I think there is no one on the planet who can't benefit from the idea of redefining reclaiming you know bringing joy and pleasure and um, that internal like connection to to movement to fitness to health to all of it yes thank you so much for being here and thank you to everyone for listening and I'll catch you next week Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Neeland and I want to take a moment to thank you for listening to this episode of the This Is Not About Your Body podcast. I put out new episodes every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss it. And if you really enjoyed it, please go ahead and leave me a review. Um, Also, if you're looking for more information about body neutrality or you want to work with me, you can find me at my website, jessineeland.com. Or you can just purchase my book, Body Neutral, A Revolutionary Guide to Overcoming Body Image Issues, wherever you buy books, ebooks, or audiobooks. We can also connect on Instagram or TikTok. My handle is Jesse Neeland. And because I make this uh, podcast available for free and without any sponsors or ads, you can also feel free to show your support using the Patreon link in the show notes and know that your support, if you decide to uh, participate, is always very much appreciated. Lastly, thank you to my brother, Jason Neeland, for creating the music that plays at the beginning of the show. And thank you for listening, learning, and moving toward personal and collective body liberation.